About 1.6 million people were arrested in 2017 on drug-related charges. Approximately 85 of those were possession-related. In fact, the United States has more prisoners than any other nation on the planet, with 25% of the world's prison population. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to be known for something, right? (laughs) My name is Apple, your cannabis queen. This is Cannabless, the podcast. And for-profit prisons led to a 171% increase in drug arrests between 1980 and 2016. In 2016, 53% of people convicted of drug-related offenses, even non-violent possession, were given a mandatory 10-year sentence. Ten years for the same thing cannabis company CEOs do all day every day now. As a result of this, authorities were able to seize houses, cars, and cash and turn those assets into new toys for the PD. Profit prisons can charge governments up to $150 a day per inmate. They mark up the cost of care by $50, which in a prison of $1,000 equals $50,000 a day. And of course, more prisoners means more money, so one could argue that this is the entire premise the war on drugs was based. And how do they make this money, you ask? Well, for starters, 80% of inmate calls go through Securus or GTL, which are both owned privately. They're known for charging $8.20 for the first minute, on top of prisoners being charged extra to open or close a phone account, on top of the surcharge to put money in the accounts in the first place. Prisons used to use a medical service that's owned by a New York City hedge fund that was paid over $15 a day per prisoner for medical staffing in Arizona. Of course, they were accused of lying to state monitors and eventually lost the account to another just as shady company. Incarcerated people and their families spend upwards of $1.5 billion every year on commissary items such as toiletries, clothes, and other items, on top of the $84 billion spent on just maintaining private correction facilities. And if you didn't know, Bob Barker Company, (laughs) yes, that Bob Barker, is one of the main companies that manufacture secure items and supply cell furniture, supplies, personal care items, and guard equipment. So what happened to the over $2.9 billion in revenue that private prison providers made in 2010? (laughs) Well, that money was used to make sure there would be no shortage of product. I mean, prisoners. That means campaign contributions and lobbying, to the tune of $6 million on state candidates and almost a million dollars on federal lobbying, aiming to keep sentences high and keep cannabis under big government's thumb, and, more nefariously, bribing officials with cash and shares. In 2011, a Pennsylvania judge was sentenced to over 17 years federal time for his role in a cash-for-kids scheme where he closed the local juvenile detention center and instead was sentencing kids to private prisons for mostly minor infractions like cannabis. The private prison industry has donated nearly $10 million to the Republican Party in just the last three years. These companies are notorious for cutting corners and endangering people all in the name of profit off a broken system that disproportionately impacts impoverished and marginalized people. Okay, so Apple, why do we care? There's been a system created to keep a steady stream of business, I I mean prisoners, coming. 
These companies can cut staff pay or services or benefits to save money. They lobby, like I said, to keep stricter laws in place because stricter laws equals more offenders. There's no focus on rehabilitation. Violence in private prisons is the norm, often with prisoners given authority over each other, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, historically does not go well. And with cannabis laws being what they are, I don't see a shortage of prisoners anytime soon. This is why it's so, so important to educate ourselves on the true nature of medicinal cannabis and why now more than ever we need to focus on rehabilitation and putting away actually violent offenders who actually pose a threat to our communities. Ultimately, the war on drugs provided private prisons with millions of prisoners, which in turn provided huge profits. So of course they don't want cannabis to be legalized. It's hard to imagine that in this day and age, anyone would want to essentially enslave people for profit, yet Core Civic's annual report says everything we need to know about them. Quote, the demand for our facilities and services could be adversely affected by the relaxation of enforcement efforts, the expansion of alternatives to incarceration and detention, leniency in conviction or parole standards and sentencing practices through the decriminalization of certain activities that are currently prescribed by law, any changes with respect to drugs and controlled substances or illegal immigration could affect the number of persons arrested, convicted, and sentenced, thereby potentially reducing demand for correctional or detention facilities to house them. Bottom line, they just want to make more money. So what can we do? Obviously, I don't agree with prison for profit, but unfortunately, I think private prison is here to stay. But there are ways to improve the system and create more humane private prisons. Australia and New Zealand have been experimenting with performance-based contracts where they receive bonuses for cutting recidivism or reoffense and are charged for riots, escapes, and unnatural deaths. In some prisons, every prisoner has a resume and applies and interviews for jobs through the facility. In Circo, noticing a spike in the barista field, opened two cafes in the prison to provide on-the-job training. Ravenhall Correctional Center, for example, is specifically designed for rehabilitation. As an inmate, you're either in one of their 70 clinical programs or getting an education so you can be prepared for the outside world when you're released. There is no razor wire. There are no bars. Thick glass lets in the daylight. Good behavior means living in a four-bedroom suite with a kitchen. It is, as a former inmate who now works as a landscaper said, a place to be if you really want to change. And even upon release, inmates are encouraged to meet with the clinicians they may have bonded with and sometimes receive vouchers to cover three months' rent. This, these things give hope. And without hope, there can be no rehabilitation. Things like this show compassion for human beings, which is what prisoners are, human beings. If you treat them like animals, animals they become. But if you give them a peaceful environment where they're treated like humans, there is potential for change. I want to thank you all so much for listening today. I apologize for the week gap in episodes. I was experimenting or experiencing some technical difficulties. Um, as always, if you have cannabis questions you'd like me to answer either privately or on air, you can reach me at cannablesspodcast at gmail.com. That is C-A-N-N-A-B-L-E-S-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. My name is Apple. This was Cannabless the Podcast. 
Stay stony, my friends.